You're listening to the expository preaching ministry of Kootenai Community Church, located in Kootenai, Idaho. We pray that Christ is exalted and your spirit is blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more information about Kootenai Church, please visit us online at kootenaichurch.org. Before we get started, uh, I just want to mention that we, once again, Cornell and I alternate. Cornell's in Corinthians and I am Philippians. So it's a privilege to be able to serve and alternate with Cornell and it's a blessing of his teaching in addition to Jim's. So let's go to the Lord and we'll begin our text. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning for your grace for each day. We thank you for your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the writings that you left us through your servant Paul. We ask this morning that uh, you would guide us in our study, that you would illuminate the truths of your word through the power of your spirit and your word. And we just give you thanks, Lord, for the privilege of being able to gather together collectively to worship you and to praise you this day. We just ask for you to guide us now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, we left off in chapter 1 and actually verse 21, and we'll begin right there. Paul was expressing his uh, desire, of course, to be with the Philippians as he was incarcerated in Rome. He had the great desire and he had great optimism, actually, to be released from prison. Now, even though he had been sentenced, he did not have the verdict. So he was not sure whether he was going to be released, although he was optimistic for that outcome, or whether he would be martyred for Christ. Either way, he knew and desired to glorify God. So he says this to the Philippians in verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Verse 22, but if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose, but I am hard pressed from both directions, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that your proud confidence in me may be abounding in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Well, we have to open this up and kind of look closely at this because this reflects the very essence of the Apostle Paul. His life at this point in his maturity, was that of living, serving, proclaiming Christ. And nothing else mattered to Paul. 
he didn't care whether it was in prison or whether he was released. Either way, he wanted to glorify God as God worked through him. So when we consider this last week, there's another parallel text to this. And I, I'd like you to turn there with me, if you would. Just go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. There, Paul gives us a similar, it's almost a parallel verse to verse 21 of Philippians. In 2 Corinthians 5, 8, Paul says this, We are of good courage. I say and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. There again, Paul's whole emphasis is that of glorifying God. We come as Christians, we can get caught up with things of the world and completely be distracted from the more important things. And that is our relationship with Christ and that of proclaiming and living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. So as we begin here in verse 22, where Paul is expressing, but if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Here, before we look at this, I want to read you a quote that John MacArthur gave in his commentary in this passage. He referred to something that Adrenayam Judson had written. And he was the first overseas missionary from America. And this was in the early 19th century. He and his wife went to India and a short while later to Burma, where he ministered for 40 years. After 14 years, he had a handful of converts and wrote a Burmese grammar. During that time, he suffered a horrible imprisonment for a year and a half. He lost his wife and children to disease. Like Paul, he longed to be with the Lord, but he considered his work for Christ to be more important. He prayed that God would allow him to live long enough to translate the entire Bible into Burmese and to establish a church there. The Lord answered his prayer and also allowed him to compile Burmese, English, and English to Burmese dictionaries, which were quite invaluable to the Christian workers that followed him. He wrote at the close of his life, If I had not felt certain that every trial was ordered by the infinite love and mercy, I could not have survived my accumulated sufferings. So he understand and he put everything in perspective. Everything that happens to us, everything is under the sovereign hand of God. If we don't understand this, we can be delusioned, we can be discouraged, we can be uh, depressed. All kinds of things can affect us unless we have the fuller understanding and the focus of who Christ is and what he has done and what he continues to do. 
In verse 22, Paul says, if I'm to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Even though Paul longed to be with the Lord, and if God willed him to live on in the flesh, he rejoiced. He knew that this would be fruitful labor for him to the glory of God. The flesh here doesn't refer to the sinfulness of our sinful body, but it's referring to uh, the entire man in totality. This comes from the word sarks in the original. And it's the substance of the body, soul and spirit making up the totality of man. So Paul was referring to his entire person. If Paul is acquitted and he's able to continue ministering here on earth, he wanted to have it to be fruitful. Now, when we talk about a fruitful ministry, scripturally, what that means is works done under the power and influence of God's Holy Spirit through us. Anything that we do in and of ourselves is worthless. has no eternal value. And it's of no value to our Lord. God wants us to walk by the Spirit, if Paul instructs us in Galatians 5, that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, but we also, in walking in the Spirit, are able to carry out fruitful works. And that's exactly what Paul did. He knew that there was nothing that he could do that would be of any value to the saints. But everything he did, he wanted to do to God's glory. Fruitful labor, uh, in this sense, is always blessed by the Lord. Paul says in Colossians 1, verses 5 and 6, he was constantly bearing fruit and increasing. In other words, he was working under the influence and the power of God's Holy Spirit, and it was fruitful. When we give the gospel in confidence, as we are entrusting God to work through his word in the gospel, it will bear fruit as God desires in any form. Here, Paul understood that. Also, later on in this letter, in chapter 3, he says, put no confidence in the flesh. And then he goes on to explain that if he were to put confidence in the flesh, he above all could do so. And he goes and gives this, this litany of works that he did as a Pharisee. And he counted it all as rubbish and worthless because it was not done under the power of the Holy Spirit in his, prior to his conversion. So Paul understood both. He understood what fruit would come bear if he were to submit to the Lord and be used to the Lord. He also knew that any work of the flesh would bear no fruit. He's not talking about good works or human works. He also We have to remember in Ephesians, Paul said this, 
We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have to stop and think about that. As God has made us his child and brought us to himself by his grace, he has purpose for each of his children. And we are to submit to that. And it's not that God's going to speak to us in a supernatural way. Even here, Paul didn't know whether he was going to be taken home or whether he was going to be released. God had not revealed that to him. His confidence was personal conviction. But his hope was that God would allow him to continue his service. We should always reflect whenever, whatever we happen to, God allows us to experience or go through. We must understand his sovereign hand upon us and how he wants to be glorified through that. And that was Paul's desire. Verse 22, yet what I choose, I cannot tell. As I said just previously, he didn't know. He wasn't sure whether God wanted him to continue on in ministry or bring him home. He'd already been used greatly of the Lord. And yet he wanted, he thought it would be far better if he could serve and minister once again to the Philippian saints whom he was addressing. So to know was not used here of something revealed. Now, remember back in verse uh, 19, uh, the word know there uh, was a different form. That was the uida, which meant to know something with certainty. And that's what Paul was saying in verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. He had a certainty there. But here, it's a different form. This is revealing something. It comes from the word gnoritzo. And it, it's revealing something that is unknown previously. So Paul here, he didn't know what, which to choose. He didn't know which to choose because the Lord hadn't made it known to him. The Lord hadn't revealed to Paul at this point what was going to happen. Both both those desires to live and continue ministry and to go home and be with the Lord were both equal with Paul. And neither one of them was wrong. He didn't prefer uh, to go home to be with the Lord, but he knew that would be far greater. And yet, he wanted to stay and remain so that he could serve the saints. In verse 23, Paul says, I am hard-pressed from both directions. Now, hard-pressed here literally means to hold together. It was used often uh, and referred to something being hemmed in on both sides, like going to, through a narrow gorge or having something press press in on on you. And it was used also uh, when the Lord was ministering. And <clears throat> and the people were closing in on him. 
So it, it meant to, uh, it, like in Luke 8.45, Luke said this word uh, pressed in when they were in Galilee and they were pressing in upon Jesus. The crowds were coming in and closing in from all sides around the Lord. And that's the same word that Paul used. And then he says, uh, a desire also to depart and be with the Lord. Now, depart here uh, has the literal meaning of set loose. It came from the word used for letting the ropes loose from a vessel. Or from a military, we had the term strike. Strike camp, that means you would take down the tents and take down the camp. And that's what Paul was referring to here. That is, he was going to be either set loose and be with the Lord, or he would remain here and serve in ministry. We can all identify with the desire to be with the Lord, and we all desire that. But we can't lose sight of what works God has prepared for us beforehand. In other words, God has ordained and called us from eternity past and laid out a plan for us. We can fall short of that through sin or turning away from God's direction. But God does desire us to look to Him, to serve Him, and to carry out whatever form that is to minister in service. <clears throat> now, when he says, I also had a desire to part and be with the Lord, he was really, in essence, desiring and understanding what that meant. And I think that we have a good understanding when we think about the comparatives here. But Hendrickson says this, in regards to remaining here, there's two views. A temporary residence, a mere tent dwelling if we stay here, as opposed to a permanent abode in heaven, or suffering mixed with joy if we remain here. If we go to be with the Lord, it's joy unmixed with suffering. If we remain suffering here for a little while, we're with the Lord, we experience joy forever. Here, being absent from the Lord, there being home with the Lord. Here, fighting daily in service for the Lord. There, the feast with the Lord. And then, also, we live in the realm of sin if we remain. There, we are in the realm of pure deliverance from sin and deliverance from pain and suffering. So those ideas were contrasting and Paul was conflicted over which to choose. <clears throat> Some people think that if a person suffers long enough in life, death becomes a necessary relief from suffering. Christians have been tortured for their faith and many suffered horrible things. From this perspective, death seems to be a greater blessing. Here, one of the uh, theologians in their commentary said this, this distorts the biblical picture. 
Death for a Christian is never pictured in the Bible as gain over the worst in this life. Instead, it shows it is an improvement on the best in this life. In other words, God has us here for a purpose. Yes, we live in a fallen world. But we shouldn't want to leave because everything is so painful here. Because God has, in His sovereignty, planned and are desired for us to carry out His purposes. And if we have the perspective, I want to get out of this lousy world and are remiss of God's desire for us to minister as we're here, then we're going to miss the blessing of service. That was, this is what uh, Paul was talking about in Philippians. Paul was suffering in prison and hoping for a quick release. But even if that would be by death, he would be rejoicing. He didn't know which it would be. Paul's life was full and it was enriched through his fellowship with the Lord. Our lives in this realm of the flesh is something that can be uh, joyful in the Lord or we can allow the world and its tentacles to get a hold of us in some way and totally get distracted by earthly things. Paul's desire fought through that constantly. He pressed toward the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. For Christ, or for Paul, it was enriched by his fellowship with Christ. For me to live is Christ. Can we say that? Can we look forward to each day walking with Christ? That's what Paul is encouraging here. That is what Paul lived in his life. <clears throat> he fulfilled the Delight in his work at Philippi was prospering. He knew that the gospel was going forth. It was bearing fruit. And he knew, even though as good as that local fellowship was, that they still needed to grow in Christ. There were still issues that were manifesting in the church at Philippi, which Paul addresses. There was uh, another comment by... H.C. Mule in his commentary on Philippians. He said this, Life and death look to us like two evils, of which we know not which is less. As for the apostle, they look to him like two immense blessings, of which he knows not which is better. On either side of the veil, Jesus Christ is all things to him. Only the conditions of the other side are such that he longed for the companionship of his master, which will be more perfectly realized there. End quote. So the benefit of a Christian uh, that brings freedom from evil, he longs to be free from sin, pain, suffering, and sickness and death, and he longs to be with the Lord. That is far greater. But... To be remiss of what God has for us here, we would miss so much of the blessing that Paul was looking for. 
We know that when we go to be with him, we'll be like him in his righteousness. We will also be rewarded with a crown of righteousness. In 2 Timothy 4.8, Paul talks about the crowns that will be given to us and the crown of righteousness. We'll be like him in knowledge in the sense that now we see things dimly. Then, when face to face, we'll have the fullness of our understanding. We'll also be fully sanctified. Sanctification beginning at salvation continues on through until we're with the Lord and we have the fullness of his glory. For the unbeliever, death is a separation of the soul and from God for eternity. For the believer, it is the joining of Christ for all eternity and reaching the fullness in our glorified bodies. Paul goes on in verse 24 and he says, Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. On the other hand, there are the needs of these Philippians that Paul is bearing hard on Paul. Even though he's in prison and he's had opportunities to minister the gospel, he's always has these Philippians in his thoughts and prayers. He intercedes on their behalf. He constantly thinks about them. And then he pins this letter to them under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's torn and he's conflicted. So he says, I'm hard pressed on both sides. This was a great church. And yet he also knew that there was a lack in that body. Yes. Okay, the uh, death of an unbeliever would be separation from God for all eternity and eternal torment. They will not have the presence of God. They will be separated from God in all eternity in torment and suffer the wrath of God. Justin. Okay. Did you hear that, Dave? It's... I'll just uh, summarize what Justin said, which good to add to this, to give it more clarity. Uh, in the sense of the presence of God, they are in the presence of God's wrath for all eternity in the sense that God has carried out judgment upon those who have rejected Christ and are now suffering uh, God's wrath for their sin and therefore are suffering the judgment of God's wrath for all eternity. So in that sense, that will be the eternal uh, result of his judgment and wrath, which they suffer. Is that what you're saying? Okay, let's do that uh, for helping clarity here. Revelation 14, if you would do, Revelation 14. Verses 9 and 10, Justin, is that it? Okay. Verse 9 in Revelation 14. Then another angel, a third one, 
followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They will have no rest day and night, those who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. So that great uh, verse. Thank you, Justin. Does that help, Dave? Sorry, I left that unclear. Okay, in verse 24, we'll pick up there. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Again, Paul wanted to continue in assisting in the process of equipping and working with the saints and their sanctification in Philippi. And so he had that strong desire to be reunited with these saints. As long as the Lord would work through Paul and accomplish his desired will through him, Paul wanted to serve. He applied himself to the admonition that he gave the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15:58. My beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain. Although there was great concern for the churches, in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, he didn't consider it to be a burden, but a joyful opportunity to serve the Lord. Paul would gladly postpone any of the blessings that he would have in eternity in order to honor God through serving the saints. Verse 25. I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that your proud confidence in me may abound in the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle knew that the Philippians still needed uh, some of the instruction by Paul correction and reproof. And he knew that if God would allow him that opportunity, he would once again resume ministering to them. He was, uh, once again, he was convinced of his own conviction that God was going to somehow allow him to do so. He was convinced, not by a revelation from God, but his own conviction and hope that he would be released and once again be able to return to them. The church was mature, but there was some lack in their humility. Paul instructed him in another portion of this letter to put on the Lord's humility. They needed to be on guard against also the false teachers and to oppose those that were enemies of the cross. These were things that Paul saw was a need as a need in the Philippian church. So he wanted to be able to minister to those needs. 
He wanted him to continue in harmony, live in harmony with the Lord. He wanted to promote their progress and their joy in the faith. In Philippians 1.12, Paul used the word prokope, uh, which, which speaks of progress of the gospel. He used in the same word, he is talking about a particular progress of the Philippian believers. First for their joy and then also for their faith. The word prokope uh, has the idea of advancing against obstacles. In other words, he wanted to promote their progress and growth and joy, but he also knew the obstacles, those opposing the gospel, those that hated Christians. So they had great opposition, and yet Paul wanted them to progress even in the midst of that opposing opposition. So he wanted to promote their progress. Again, uh, in Philippians, Paul also in the other epistles, he's always encouraging and promoting spiritual growth. Paul's desire was to see the saints grow in Christ, to be able to stand against false teachers, to be able to identify false teaching, and to be able to stand for the gospel. That's what Paul desired, and that's what he constantly promoted. Verse 26, he says, um, so that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Christ Jesus by my coming to you again. The word so that translates, uh, it introduces what's called a purpose clause. Paul continues to serve the Philippian church and yet it would be for the purpose of causing their confidence, proud confidence, he says, and in him to abound in Christ Jesus through coming to them again. Paul knew that he could bring them encouragement and confidence and to be there in person, to be released from prison in Rome and still be able to carry on ministry that would cause joy amongst the Philippians who loved him greatly. Paul uh, ties these two things together. He expects to remain and carry on ministry with the friends and saints that he's ministered to. And he also wants the progress of their joy in the faith. He wants them to grow spiritually. God allowed Paul to remain with them. If that was allowed, he would praise God that he would be with them again. Historical evidence says that Paul's expectation was filled because he was released to visit the Philippians once more. So as we think of these texts, this text here, I want to conclude with uh, the understanding that death, even for a Christian, is not something to fear. But for the Christian, it is something for us to look forward to. Paul, his dilemma was either to be with Christ or remain. He was conflicted about it, and yet he didn't care either way. He would prefer to serve. That's hard to comprehend. 
And yet, when we think of Paul's heart, his love for the Lord and his love for the saints, that was his preeminent desire to glorify God through that. As we think of his uh, exemplary model, we have to understand that this man was living everything he did was for Christ. That's something we can say, we can memorize that verse, but to actually live that is to fully understand and embrace God's love for us and his purpose for us, whatever that may be. Now, some he reveals to us in Scripture for us to obey. We don't always understand God's providence. We understand what he's revealed in his word, and we understand what God desires us to do through his word, and we can entrust ourselves to that. We can also look forward to being with the Lord or remaining here. For us, it should be a desire to be with God. And yet, as we remain here, to look and understand God's word and to apply it to our lives and be walking under the guidance of his Holy Spirit that we might glorify him. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he says, My beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. There again, it's bearing fruit under the empowerment of God's Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul was exhorting these believers in Corinth to do. So as you think of the love that Paul expressed to the Corinthians in his reproof and correction, he also gave them his love and devotion and served them. It's the same way in Philippians. Paul loves the church of Philippi. He loves the saints. And he's willing and desiring to go and serve them once more. Nevertheless, he says in verses 25 and 26, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know I'll remain and continue with you for all your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Christ Jesus and my coming to you again. We understand that Paul was also wanting them to rejoice in the fact that he was looking forward to returning to them. He was even wanting to do so at the cost of being with the Lord. He knew he would be with the Lord at one time. He didn't know when. This was not something that he would know immediately, but he expressed this hope which gave them hope in return. As we think of this, just focus on what God accomplishes through a willing servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the essence of your sovereign, providential will in our lives. We pray, Lord, that we would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit through your word and that we would be obedient servants to you and for your glory. We pray now that you would be glorified as we gather collectively to worship and praise you and to receive the
proclamation of your word once again. We just give you praise and thanksgiving in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the latest podcast from Kootenai Church. If you'd like to learn more about Kootenai Church or to donate to our church ministry, you can do so online by visiting KootenyChurch.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and pray you'll join us again next time. Once again, thank you for listening.